Welcome to the Hirogenics podcast series, innovative contingent workforce solutions insights from the experts. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, and welcome to the Hirogenics podcast series. My name is Kristen Schiffner, and I'm the VP of Marketing for Hirogenics. And I'm here with Ian Keffer, who is our Senior Director of Workforce Acquisition Solutions for Hirogenics and Volt. Uh, we're going to spend a little time with you today talking about payrolling and independent contractor compliance. With 40% of the world's workforce who are now contingent workers, it's becoming more and more imperative to understand how to safely leverage and engage this important population and how payrolling, often referred to as employee of record and independent contractor compliance, often heard as uh, agent of record, can really be an important part of your organization's total talent strategy. So I'll have a series of questions and hopefully just a really great conversation with Ian today. And uh, Ian, I, I look forward to I look forward to our chat. So we will uh, just jump right in. And obviously, um, Ian, you, you are the subject matter expert on this. So I hope that you will um, correct me and, um, you know, kind of lead the conversation if I, because I don't want to leave anything, you know, left on the table. I think this is an op- a great opportunity to kind of share your expertise and your perspective. So the first thing I wanted to ask just in general for the audience at the kind of 30,000 foot level, can you give a brief overview of what payrolling means in this context and uh, employer of record? Just a, a great kind of educational definition. Sure. And Kristen, first off, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. Um, but in the context of the conversation, right, payrolling can mean a lot of different things. Um, there are a lot of companies out there that are simply payroll processing companies. You know, in the context of, of us and what we do in the conversation, we'll, we'll be focusing on payrolling or and or employer of record services. So really an employer of record is basically a third party entity that becomes the official employer for tax and legal purposes. So that means they will handle all of the on and offboarding, payroll processing, tax reporting, administration of benefits for workers that qualify. Um, the workers would be on our workers comp policy, all of that good stuff. So it's really a, a full white glove approach. So it's, it seems a lot more than just issuing somebody a paycheck. It, it's the overall kind of worker candidate experience. That's exactly it. Yeah. So employer records take on uh, basically everything related to employment duties uh, and the employee employer relationship on the back end. So workers are essentially on assignment with client companies, but on the back end, the employer of record is making sure anything related to employment is is taken care of. Okay, great. Well, thank you for helping kind of set set the baseline. So, so I'm curious if you can share a little bit more how how does using an EOR, so how does a company who chooses to use an EOR benefit their company in terms of compliance? You know, what are what are the perks, what are the pros? Yeah, sure. So that's a great question. Leveraging an employer of record uh, benefits companies in terms of compliance by ensuring compliance with employment laws, tax regulations, and other legal requirements. Basically, because the again, the employer of record takes on responsibility for proper classification, onboarding, and the management of workers from from a legal employment standpoint. Right. So. Also, uh, another key thing is that in this sense, the, the client's basically shielded from any employment liabilities 
right? As well as the administrative burden of having to ma- manage this stuff on the back end for for this worker population. Yeah. So, so reading between the lines, you know, the the company who chooses to use an EOR partner to help with the employment administration um, is really leaning on that partner to to be the expert to understand the local, state, and federal laws, you know, to kind of be the the watchdog to make sure that they are classifying and treating these these contractors in such a way that the laws, you know, believe that we're doing right by the contractor and essentially kind of being the experts, being the augment of the team to, to handle all that kind of back office and compliance risk. That's exactly it. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, well, kind of moving on, sa- same thing thematically. Um, by using an EOR, companies can ensure compliance with these employment laws. But what are the risks that happen if they happen to inadvertently or and even potentially knowingly misclassify an independent contractor? Yeah, no, that's another great question, too. And, it, you know, it's funny you bring that up because I, it seems like every day there's there's a new article or a news, news source coming out with, Companies that are potentially misclassifying workers, right, and, and also the laws around IC compliance and classification are, are constantly evolving and changing. So it, it is very important for companies that are engaging those types of workers to just make sure they're crossing their T's and dotting their I's, right? And so a, a lot of times clients will have, you know, in-house legal counsel, but it, it doesn't hurt to get another opinion and, you know, in any sense of the world, right, there are subject matter experts in each field and relying on those people is is always beneficial, right? But it, most importantly, making sure that you're crossing your T's, dotting your I's, uh, because the legal consequences to answer your question are, can, can be, you know, pretty extensive, right? So you can Google, you know, and find large companies facing massive fines from misclassification could result in potential lawsuits, back taxes, uh, etc. So, yeah, it's very important to understand the criteria for proper classification and, and avoid those risks. But to that point, right, um, there there are subject matter experts out there that are there to help you. Yeah, it, it is um, exactly what you said. Anytime you read the news headlines or Google, you know, worker misclassification, it seems like yet another company is is under scrutiny for just that classifying workers, uh, you know, denying them benefits, you know, all of those things. And, and it seems more and more that worker protection, worker classification movements to really ensure that the worker is not getting taken advantage of. And, you know, really it, companies are under the microscope more and more. Um, so it becomes increasingly important to, to make sure they have their ducks in a row, so to speak, um, in, in terms of not only classifying, you know, to avoid lawsuits and back taxes, but just, you know, in terms of the, their own employer brand and treating their worker um, in a way that, you know, is fair. And and this, we'll want to edit this, but treating the worker in a way that's that's fair and protects their their own, you know, employer reputation, um, because it's certainly not good news when you see your names in the headlines and um, workers are complaining about, you know, something that's been done. It, it makes it harder long long term to recruit new candidates down the road. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, to that point, obviously, we work with companies that those are our clients, but also it's important to make sure you're doing your due diligence on the vendor side as well. There are there have been some recent articles of, uh, of other companies in the space that are, you know, even potentially misclassifying their own internal workers. And so there's a lot of new companies in, in the payrolling 
employer of record space. And so I think working with a company that's established with a great reputation, that's of importance as well for, for our clients to make sure that, you know, you're, you're going with a company that, that is doing things correctly and, and has a solid reputation. Yeah, exactly. Now that's a great point. So um, besides the risks that, you know, we just identified, you know, not only to the independent contractor itself, but to the to the company that may or may not be abiding by federal, state and local laws around uh, worker classification. What are some factors that, you know, to keep in mind that help employers really understand how to classify and determine whether a worker is truly an employee, you know, the W-2 employee that we think about or an independent contractor, the 1099. Are there some um, kind of factors that are at least a good baseline to keep in mind? Yeah, there are. So um, W-2 employees have have certain qualities, right? They, they typically will work 40 hours a week on an ongoing basis. Uh, typically, they work full time for one company or a client at a time. They're paid at regular intervals, um, either on a sour, uh, salary or hourly basis, uh, eligible for unemployment. You know, they also receive benefits uh, in terms of health care, vacation, sick pay. They have taxes deducted from their paychecks as well. Uh, as far as independent contractors share qualities, you know, where they're providing outside expertise, not not available internally. Usually their work is not part of the core competency of what the company does itself, such as, you know, an accountant at an accounting company, um, right? Uh, they also right. complete their, they also complete their work independently without supervision. Um, they have contracts for limited time frames or, or project work. They usually maintain multiple clients simultaneously as opposed to just working, uh, with one company at a time, right? Um, so, there are a number of, of factors, yes. Right, even uh, even something as simple as things like uh, provision of the tools and equipment, you know, whether or not it's that the worker's own personal equipment and laptop or if it's a uh, employer-issued workstation or, you know, computer. I mean, that's even one of the factors that weighs into, you know, whether, that, whether or not they really are employee or IC. Totally. And, you know, one of the main, one of the main tests that are used and keep in mind there, there are ever changing laws around this, right? So there are some states like California, Massachusetts, uh, that are at the forefront of ever changing laws around IC compliance and management. But um, kind of the standard that you can look at on the national level would be the IRS 20 factor test. And so uh, any, anybody can Google that and, and see those 20 factors that go into IC compliance and management as well. You know, also keep in mind that it does vary at the state level too. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, California and and Massachusetts seem to always be, you know, kind of in the news about their worker protection laws. And just because something, you know, might work or maybe one way in another state, you go to to California, for instance, and they may have a much um, kind of higher level of scrutiny. Again, it's all back to worker protection. That's what it really comes down to. You know, if companies are really going the extra mile to ensure that they are, you know, focusing on independent contractor compliance, what are some of the challenges, you know, kind of common challenges or guiding principles that they need to be thinking about when when they engage a, a contract worker? Yeah. So going back to the last question, right, is leveraging the tools, the 20 the factor test, the differences that I, that I had mentioned between independent contractor qualities as well as uh, W2 qualities, right? But overall, companies should establish clear contractor agreements, maintaining proper documentation, ensure that the ICs have control over their own work, you know, that the client isn't providing employee-like benefits as well as 
you know, I, I've also seen where uh, a company may have a W-2 performing one role and then somebody classified as an IC performing the same exact role, right? That creates a discrepancy. So just keeping all of those factors in mind of utmost importance. Yeah. And again, you know, what we mentioned earlier, just that the challenge of staying up to date with these kind of constantly evolving labor laws and um, different tax jurisdictions, it really, it really is a full time job, so to speak, to, to stay up, you know, on that, that landscape and really understand what is, what is happening across the country, especially if you are employing independent contractors that don't sit in the same state as your headquarters, you know, especially now, you know, kind of post COVID with the remote, you know, work lifestyle being such a common thing. Now a company could potentially have, you know, contractors in 50 states and, you know, are the U.S. territories and beyond. So it's a it's a complex web of labor laws to understand across that geography. Yeah, it is, it is a lot to keep up with, you know. And so, it, again, it goes back to it, it's always smart and never really hurts to engage the subject matter experts, um, which, you know, obviously we have full teams here. That, that do all of that and are, and are thought leaders in this category. And so making sure, again, that you're crossing your T's, dotting your I's, limiting your exposure. And a nice part about engaging a company like us is that when you do and, you know, when a vendor does the vetting for you, you're, you're also shielded, right? Because they're doing the classification and the vetting. And same thing, you know, the same shielding that you get by leveraging a payrolling employer of record service, right? you're shielded from any of those employment liabilities on on the payrolling side. Same thing goes for the vetting piece, right? So if if a it, you know if a vendor does the vetting for you then they're kind of responsible for the ongoing um, engagement of that agreement and also reinsuring compliance down the road. That's great. So so we've been talking a lot about compliance kind of in the uh, context of how important it is, obviously, for an employer to remain compliant. But, you know, the contractors, the, those are the people, they, they are the, the workforce behind all of this. So can you share a little bit about how a company who uses a payroll EUR expert, how, how can they in, be ensured that the workers getting taken care of that, you know, maintaining this relationship between the company and its worker. And then there's a third party EOR provider. You know, how does that, what's the word I'm thinking of? How does that work between kind of the three entities? Yeah, sure. So it, it's, it, again, I think it goes back to the importance of uh, doing your homework, right? Making sure that you go with a company that has experience in the space um, that is going to have your needs uh, as a priority, right? And not only as the client, but you want to make sure that the workers who are being engaged in the program are, are being taken care of. And so the best companies in the space, what they do is they provide a white glove service and there's continuous contact from the, the first engagement with the workers all the way through the end of their assignments, whether that be in a, in a payrolling instance or, you know, ensuring compliance down the road um, with the independent contractor. But at the end of the day, right, in both cases, employer of record will take on all of the employment-related liabilities, such as workers' comp, unemployment, um, as well as, you know, alleviating the administrative burden of just having to manage that population for the client. And so there are multiple benefits, um, but the employer of record does stay up to date with any of the local labor laws. They handle all the tax withholdings, reporting, managing benefits administration. Um, as well as ensuring accurate payroll calculations. So it, it is 
full white glove approach in that context. And the candidate, the actual worker, should feel like it's white glove. You know, they they are going to work for a particular employer. They are doing a job that their skill sets match. I, I mean, if the employer of record does does their job correctly, that candidate should feel a very seamless experience. You know, they are their number one priority is doing the job for their employer and the employer of record, the people that are helping them with the onboarding and you know, all of the things it takes to, you know, fully engage with a company, you know, we would expect that contractor should feel like, you know, there, there's kind of no difference between who they're dealing with, whether or not is it's the, the employer or, you know, the, the kind of back office folks that are helping them get up to speed so they can do their, their job. It comes down to kind of that worker care or candidate experience that you've mentioned. Yeah, and there's, you know, to that point, right, uh, the, the best employer of records really serve as uh, an extension of the client companies, right? But at the same time, there's a clear distinction um, in terms of co-employment of who the workers are actually employed by, and it is the employer of record. But the workers clear who they're going to get their W-2 from, who they're actually employed by. But again, they're on assignment with the client companies. The client companies are controlling the day-to-day management of the workers, right? And so there, there's kind of a, an art to the handoff there and the ongoing, and the ongoing management of the workers, which again is why, you know, to your point, the best companies in the industry, they do have a white glove approach and there is continuous contact and maintenance of the relationship from the first engagement of the workers really to the end of their engagement, right? Yes. Yes. And, you know, we know today with social platforms enabling people to share whatever it is they have on their mind and, you know, to be true advocates. I mean, this, this whole society now is, is very bold in sharing what they do and don't like about things online. And, um, you know, I think it feels really important that the, the, the candidate or the worker becomes hopefully kind of a, a brand advocate for the company they're working for, because the better experience they have when they're on assignment, the more they're going to tell their friends about it, the more they're going to refer other, you know, their peers to to that employer. So I think it's the job of the the EOR provider to to provide a really good experience so that, you know, that that candidate becomes kind of an amplification of the brand too. Yeah, totally. And to that point, right? So um workers that are payrolled through an employer record service. It could be any uh, worker that is self-sourced by the client. So that could be workers that come through part of a direct sourcing solution. It could be workers who are identified by the client's internal recruiting teams. It could also be referrals as well. Um, Really anybody that's, again, kind of self-sourced, leveraging either the client's brand or their own internal recruiting teams. Yeah, yeah. And these days, you know, it seems like the value of a referral you know, is more and more important, you know, especially for the, uh, the employer who is engaging that worker. Um, you know, if they, if they get other referrals, you know, it's that, that reduction in time to hire, you know, getting good people in the door and kind of, um, you know, getting, getting engaged with that, um, EOR and, and with the, the, the client company, um, certainly makes, makes the path to getting the job done quicker when, you know, it's a, a referred as opposed to just, you know, maybe a um, unknown candidate, for instance. So moving moving along, I'm just curious, are there specific industries or situations where using an EOR provider is more beneficial than trying to do it internally? 
Really, it, it ultimately depends on what the client's needs are. Uh, the service can be used across, you know, every industry imaginable, right? But um, where it is most beneficial is industries that have a, a high volume of project-based work or, uh, you know, companies that rely largely on temporary or contract-based folks and, and worker populations. They'll, they'll find a employer record most beneficial, and that comes from both the flexibility and compliance assurance without you know, having to face the administrative burden of handling those large populations of workers, which again, you know, touches on the importance of, of having a strategic partner that has your best interests at heart, has the workers' best interests at heart, provides a, a white glove uh, service and approach, and ultimately, you know, is is not going to put you in a box and say, hey, this is how things need to be done. Um, you know, there is the compliance piece, right? And, and the best companies obviously do that. But also the best companies will build programs around what the needs are of the clients as well, and they're flexible and agile. And a lot of times in, in payrolling instances, you need to be able to move quickly, and companies can either ramp up or ramp down. So, you know, choos choosing a strategic partner in that approach that does have a lot of experience ultimately is going to do nothing but benefit you in the long run. Yeah, that's a great example. And, and you mentioned just kind of the the ebb and flow of how often, you know, companies may need workers, you know, for certain projects and for um, seasonality, for instance. Um, and another thing, you know, unfortunately, we keep hearing of this potential looming recession and companies who are able to use EOR services and AOR services, you know, the, the IC compliance have a bit more flexibility to kind of throttle up and hire, you know, engage these folks quickly when they need to. And then if the economy is such or their their business situation is such that they need to kind of throttle it down again and don't need as many workers, kind of this payrolling scenario makes it easier to, to kind of bring on, you know, workers as needed and then slow it down. The business drivers um, may slow as well. So I, I guess it comes back a lot to just that flexibility, shorten time to hire when you need it and slow it down when you don't. Yeah, and also, you know, to that point, right, is the, the, the payrolling service, employer of record services, it, you can also, companies that are hiring, facing potential headcount restrictions, stuff like that, these workers would not affect that yeah. uh, population, right? So it's, it, it is also a way to get around headcount restrictions. A lot of companies, uncertain economic climates, they may have budget cuts as well. And, and both of these services are ultimately a cost savings alternative to what is a traditional staffing and recruiting type model because when companies are able to whether it's through direct sourcing program whether it's by leveraging their own internal recruiting teams or referral based right they're identifying the workers on their own essentially and it's going to be more cost effective than than having a staffing company go out and do the recruiting for you yeah yeah i think that is truly the beauty of direct sourcing and kind of creating a pipeline of great talent that you know you you use when you need it and, uh, you know, and when you're not using them on assignment, you know, those, those talent communities or talent pipelines are a good way to, to kind of keep your pipeline fresh of great workers and, you know, to engage them if and when you need to, as opposed to the cost of potentially having to staff up and then, you know, staff down. There's always inherent costs, you know, with, with attrition and, and having to go through layoffs and things like that. So moving on to question number 10, um, so, Ian, what are some future trends? I know there's no crystal ball here, but, you know, future trends or developments that you see or that you're reading about, you know, in terms of 
payrolling and IC compliance and kind of how it plays into the future of this contingent workforce? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think you touched uh, greatly on that a few times. You know, really, a lot of it is centered around the workers and and their rights. That's kind of at the forefront now. But the the laws, again, are are really ever-changing in this space. And so making sure that you or your company or you have access to a trusted advisor that is keeping up to date with everything is pretty important. And uh, I think it just goes back to, again, doing your due diligence, right? Crossing your T's, dotting your I's and, and doing what you can. And again, I think leaning on third-party expertise who, you know, you had a proven experts and understanding employment laws and, you know, uh, across uh, across multiple geographies is really should be peace of mind. I, I think that's why companies choose to work with EOR and IC experts, uh, you know, to just to ensure that there is, you know, the constant upkeep and constant understanding of, of what's going on in, in labor laws and keeping the, uh, you know, worker rights really top of mind, because that's, that's what's important. And I think that's especially important now with so many workers choosing the flexible lifestyle. COVID gave everybody a little bit of a taste of what it's like to work from home or what it's like to work, you know, remotely or to, you know, live in a state that has a lower cost of living than the the potential headquarters of where your company is. People moved around a lot. Uh, I mean, we heard the term, the great migration that happened during COVID. And so now workers, you know, are really kind of in the driver's seat and, have more say in where they want to work, how they want to work, for how much, when, which employers. So putting a, you know, EOR and AOR program in place, you know, allows workers the flexibility they need and also ensures companies that they have access to those great talented candidates out there and that they're doing it in in the most um, law-abiding way, for lack of a better term. So I don't know, Ian, is there anything else you'd want to say to just kind of, you know, bookend this and kind of summarize, you know, some of the main takeaways here? Yeah, I think we've done a, a great job of covering the, the core components. But, you know, to your point, right, in terms of the, the rise of remote work, I guess you could say, right, there's there's been a kind of an uptick in companies leveraging these services and also, you know, vendors out there. there there's a lot more payrolling employer record companies. A lot of them are new and it's just important for Again, clients to do their own due diligence, right? And make sure that they're doing what's best for them. And, uh, you know, ultimately you want a company that's again going to build something around you and have your best interests at heart, right? Take care of the workers. We're, we're in the business of people. Exactly. You know, we're in the business of people, right? And so somebody gets married, they call and change their name. Somebody has a baby, you know, they let us know that they're out on maternity leave. It's uh, it, it's a high human touch environment. And so with that, it's very important to make sure that you're going with the company, again, that, that really cares about you. Yeah. I mean, really, talent should be the center of everything. This is a, this is a people business. So... I think this has been a great overview, Ian. Thank you so much for for sharing your wealth of knowledge. Um, and I appreciate appreciate the time you spent with us today. I hope the audience that listens in knows that um, they can certainly reach out to us on HireGenics.com. There's all kinds of ways to get in touch with us. We really thank everyone for listening today. And we hope that you will stay tuned for our, our next podcast in this series. So thank you all for joining us. And thanks for Thank your you for time tuning in to the Hyogenics Podcast innovative contingent workforce solutions insights from the experts. For more information, visit HireGenix.com. Your success is our success.